0: Brings us closer, closer to the moment when the next generation of NFL stars learn their destiny, and franchises try to lay the foundation for the next dynasty. With the first pick, the first pick. this is First Draft. Now, alongside NFL Draft insiders Mel Kiper Jr. and Todd McShay, here's Chris Brown.
1: Welcome, everybody, to First Draft for this week. Guys, I wanted to jump right into a topic that uh, it just hasn't happened yet. So about exactly a year ago last week, the New York Jets decide they're going to go get their quarterback. Or they're at least going to buy, them, buy their way into a range where they're certain to get Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, or probably Josh Rosen. So they move up from number six to number three. We get some action. We get to move these mock drafts around a little bit. That's been the case for the last few years. In fact, it hasn't been since 2015 that a team hasn't moved up into the top 5 of the draft via trade. That was the year where things just happened and, you know, the Bucks were bad and needed a quarterback, James Winston's there. The Titans were bad and needed a quarterback, Marcus Mariota's there. So teams weren't maneuvering there. But Mel and Todd, this year we haven't had it yet and we keep looking at it and thinking, you know, is it going to be the Giants are going to move up? Is it going to be the Dolphins that are going to move up? Which, which team is, it, is San Francisco who has their quarterback going to get out of there? Todd, I'll let you get started. As you look, just start at the top of the board. Do you think that number one pick is still in play or do you think, Hey, I think this might just be Kyler Murray.
2: I still think it's going to, it's going to be Kyler Murray at this point. Based off of everyone I'm talking to in the league, mm-hmm. I keep hearing more and more people who are connected in some way, shape, or form. It's like six degrees of separation. Um, whether it's with the the agent who represents both both the coach and, and the player, or um, you know people in the front office and, and people who are close to them, that it's Kyler Murray. But it, I think it really is Kyler Murray or. If that's really not their intention, then clearly they're trying to get a team to come up and they're, they're baiting other teams to come up and go get Kyler Murray. So if it is Kyler at one, then you look at the 49ers and the Jets as the two teams that absolutely have no interest in the quarterback at two and three. The Raiders at four, you just don't know because John Gruden's a wild card. And I've heard that he really likes Drew Locke. I heard that that, that could be his guy. And so. What what's their plan? Are they going to try to move Derek Carr, or are they just going to stick with Derek Carr and, and realize that they have so many other needs that they could get a, a Josh Allen uh, in terms of a pass rusher early, or Quinnen Williams or whoever's there, and then go get two other really good players later in the first round with twenty four and twenty seven. Then after that, the Buccaneers are in what I believe to be could potentially be good. A good situation sitting one spot ahead of the Giants because now if Murray's off the board or if Murray and Drew Locker are off the board or any two of the three quarterbacks for that matter including Dwayne Haskins then the Giants start to get nervous so the Giants will be calling up to move up a spot if they like the remaining quarterback or quarterbacks and any other team that's that's interested at that point would you think would be calling the Buccaneers at five so the action will happen in there, I think. And it won't shock me if if by the time we get to pick 7, if all three of the the quarterbacks are off the board even though right now you really only feel great about saying Kyler at 1 and then maybe one of the other two guys to the Giants at 6.
1: Hey Mel, on this topic then. So if 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 we get to the New York Giants, and there's no quarterback left on the board. Are 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 you gonna are you gonna sit there on night one of the draft and, and yell at the Giants because they didn't get up and get their guy? If what Todd says comes true, say it's Kyler one. Somebody goes up and gets Haskins, and Drew Locke comes off the board maybe somewhat surprisingly earlier. But again, nothing nothing can be crazy if it involves quarterbacks. Anything weird can happen. Are you going to be all over the Giants if, if, if no quarterback is there and they just sat there at number six?
0: No, I will not. Uh, and it'll be because of this reason. They have to feel as an organization, you can agree or disagree that the quarterback they're going to get or go get is franchise. They didn't feel that way last year. And I think they were wrong. But, uh, you know, this year, it seems like Daniel Jones, unless it's just misinformation out there, it seems like that's the quarterback that they are targeting. That's mm-hmm. what you hear. Daniel Jones is their guy. Uh, we'll see. Um, like I said, I'm kind of stubborn because mock first rounds, you don't project trades. So if you don't put Haskins at a Giants six, we're right. all at six. We're in the same predicament, Todd. We, where are we going to put them? That makes sense without mm-hmm. a trade. If you, you can't drop them all the way down to 10, 11, 13. So you put him at six, even though we're hearing the Giants may not go that route. Now that's what you're hearing. It doesn't mean it's true. That's like I say, is it misinformation or is it real? Daniel Jones, quarterback Duke, seems to be the guy at 17. And as we all know, 17 sometimes isn't good enough. I thought last year with New Orleans, I remember looking over at you, Todd. You were at the board. New Orleans trade, I'm thinking, is this Lamar Jackson? Yep. Are you going to make this big splash to get Lamar? And it was end up being Marcus Davenport. You know, or is a team late in the first round going to jump up? New England, Chargers to, to say, okay, Daniel Jones at 17, we'll move up and get him. I don't know. Will the Giants have to move up from 17 to get him? We don't know that yet, but it seems like that may be the quarterback, the cut cliff factor with Eli and Peyton Manning, you know, all going into it. Uh, the pro day, you know, what happened there in terms of the top rest being there at that pro day for Daniel Jones? All those things point to that happening, which means that they have assessed where it's too expensive to go up and get Haskins. We can get Jones, and we don't have to give up as much or anything. That may be the route they go.
1: Todd, you had been on the record before on this podcast, so you know that's probably 5 million people are hearing that, Mm
0: -hmm. saying,
1: Josh, you can run the numbers on that later, but saying that you wouldn't be mad at Miami at all if they were if we the, we don't team crack
2: the top twenty. By the way, pretty soon I'm, I'm going to start to get annoyed. Yeah, I mean, we've we got some good <laughs> listeners, but let's spread the word word a little bit here, huh?
1: Call your team of agents mm-hmm. uh, and subscribe. Don't just listen, subscribe. subscribe. Yeah. All right. Let's get back first to first draft podcast. Let's get back to Mick Shea saying that a few weeks ago. Uh, go for it, Dolphins. I get it. I get. I, he. You basically are saying that rebuilding and going up to get a quarterback, those two things can happen at the same time. Do you still feel that way? Especially after you were up close watching, you know, I think you and Lewis were out there watching Dwayne Haskins. You really liked what he showed at his pro day. I get it. A pro day doesn't change a lot of opinions, but you, but again, you're, you're, you are more inclined to say, Hey, there's, there's two really good quarterbacks in this, in this case. And, Maybe you need to get up into the top five to get one of them. Is Miami another team that's, that you still see as a trade-up possibility?
2: Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I, I don't you can't know for a fact, and, and obviously there's been a lot of information coming out of there about focusing on the 20, uh, 2020 draft and, and tanking for Tua is the term everyone's using, and I, I get it, but you can't... I mean, they're
1: doing That's a their long best. Way
2: away. <laughs> yeah, they're they're doing their best to get to that number one spot next year. Don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. uh, you just you can't count on that. And you're not going to have 53 guys on in your, in your roster that are going to go out and, and want to lose football games because they're putting out tape to. If they're not going to be with Miami moving forward, then they want they want to make sure that they're making money for their family in a free agency. It's so, not fair to them I, either, Todd. It's it, it's ridiculous. It mm-hmm. really is. It, it, it's. You know, it's one thing in basketball when you're talking about five to seven guys that you're really counting on. When you're counting on fifty three guys and and all, just about all of them are on the field and at least thirty guys are playing significant roles every week, you just can't control that. So I, I just I look at it, yeah, great if, if things don't go well and, and you lose you lose a bunch of games and you wind up in a situation where you can get to a but also if if you're not getting any better even if you're sitting around 13 again next year, then you can go package picks if you have to. So I, I think you find
0: a way to go get Tua if that is your guy. Did, did anybody Somehow watch? You made any, that decision, hey Todd? Did anybody but, watch Tua at the end of the year? I mean, yeah, did you I, see, I was the just going to say that. I mean, is this, but, this Tua stuff is, is getting a little crazy? I mean, he isn't necessarily all world yet, so let's not act like he's John Elway, Andrew Locke that he's already established. If you watch the totally watch agree. the games at the end of the year, yeah, and
2: and okay. trouble staying healthy too with the you know, average size a little bit undersized so I, I to me I, I just these quarterbacks are good enough I don't think there's that big of a difference and I would want to bring in the guy now and have another year to work with him before the following years so and, and you know what if after the first year you say this isn't this just isn't going to work I mean Arizona's sitting right there it, it could be a similar situation and try to ship Haskins or whoever it is out of town and and bring in another young quarterback or hell let him compete see what happens for the the second year and then unload likely quarterback from this year if he hasn't performed and Tua has clearly become the guy but I wouldn't I would be aggressive this year if I'm the Miami Dolphins and bring in another quarterback in the first round if at all possible without giving away everything um and then if and then I'll deal with next year next year I mean that's just has to be the way you look at this thing
1: Hey, and by the way, you guys are both wrong. They're not tanking for Tua. They're tanking for Jalen Hurts because he's going to go play quarterback <laughs> for one year at Oklahoma yeah. and be the number one pick. That's just how it works. Jalen, Jalen
2: Hurts is a first round pick at, at the quarterback position <laughs> next year, Lincoln Riley can have, I mean, he could have any, pretty much any job right now, but that, yes. that would be one of the great feats yeah. in the history of, of, Uh, developing talent that i've seen at least hey todd you know
1: it's only like five weeks from your first uh 2020 mock draft i mean uh, Jalen at number one is gonna look pretty sweet it's gonna look pretty sweet hey mel man mel we have the combination i'll give you another (laughs) possible Mm trade-up scenario of your boys your number one prospect of all time john elway and your favorite quarterback of all time, Joe Flacco, out in Denver. Is there any possibility? I mean, Denver, the, if, the, the scenario your colleague Todd McShay just described, all right. there's the possibility that three quarterbacks are gone by the time the Denver Broncos have to put in a pick does does Denver have to be a team that's thinking like I don't know let's call the Jets and see what they want to move down to 10 like would you consider that because I'm not saying Joe Flacco is not the starter regardless next year but I don't think there's like a 3 year plan for Joe Flacco I think he's the yeah. starter next year we'll see but his deal is essentially up um would you be willing to think about something like that? By the way, they've been aggressive before. It's, that's yeah. how it got them into Paxton Yes, yeah.
0: yeah, a couple things here would be in play. Uh, first of all, if you're John Elway, is there an assurance you're going to be around? Yeah, uh, you know, Because if you're not, you're, are you drafting a quarterback for the next general manager, number one, if you do that, and not use that pick to help Joe Flacco, which could be T.J. Hawkinson, a tight end, who Joe Flacco's eyes always go tight end. It did with Dennis Pitta. That's why the Ravens drafted two tight ends last year, to, how to help Flacco out, knowing how important the tight end is to Joe Flacco. So if you draft Hawkinson, you help Flacco. If you draft a quarterback, you're not helping Flacco. So again... Where's John Elway long-term here? That's number one. Number two, and when we can, we can have the same theme for every team. You say, well, should this team do this? Should they do that for a quarterback? It's who they love. Who is their franchise guy? Last year, everybody was all over the place. Some had this guy. Some had that guy. And everybody was right. All those quarterbacks turned out really good. You know, and, and it's like Rosen didn't. Well, Rosen played on the worst team. And by the way, the Arizona Cardinals didn't tank last year. Okay? They ended up with the number one pick. But they ended up drafting Rosen, traded up to get him. Yeah. They thought they had a situation in place with Bradford and Glennon that they could have the veterans for a year to get Rosen ready. They had from some a new head coach in there, and it went. It didn't work, and so they had the worst, the the number one pick. This Miami stuff, a tanking, fifty-three guys, like Todd said. Yeah, you lose; those guys lose their job because they're bad players on bad on the worst team. Means you're not going to get many teams saying, "I want that guy." Okay, so this notion that all those players are gonna say, Oh, let's lose so this organization, saying I'm gonna be out of a job. I'm gonna be looking for another occupation. I'm gonna ain't happening. Okay, so this is insanity, okay, to talk like that to me. And I think uh yeah, you, know, you look at the quarterbacks, I'm still Not believing that we're talking about three in the top 10. Uh, you know, to me, that's insanity. Again, pushing these quarterbacks so far up where a guy that's the 25th, 30th best player goes in the top 10. Uh, I have no problem. Todd knows this with Daniel Jones being discussed as the first round draft pick. I have no problem with that, but we're talking about 17, not, you know, top 10. I cannot believe that John Gruden is going to take Drew Locke when he has Derek Carr. Why are you doing that? I can't believe he would do that. So I don't care how much he likes Drew Locke. John likes quarterbacks. But he's got one who just a few years ago was an MVP candidate. He did, had nothing last year, and John raved about his stats despite having a team that didn't win a lot of games. And John raved about Carr. So you're going to go from that to Drew Locke, who I think right now is a little overrated where we're talking about him in the top ten. Um No, I, I think this thing gets crazy in April as we're getting into April with these quarterbacks getting forced up way too high.
1: Todd? You gotta help me out here. The subplots are incredible. A, Josh, you're gonna have to roll the tape there. I think, I think Kuiper just put O.A. on the clock, which is amazing because he, he is did. his number one prospect yeah. of all time. That's exciting. And then the possibility of Mayock and Gruden drafting, uh, reaching for a quarterback at four and then Gruden coming on the broadcast and saying, who the hell is Mel Kuiper <laughs> would be so amazing. I mean, Markman's head would explode out of joy. It's, it's hey, all I, I would, together, Mel. I, yeah,
0: I would rip that, Todd. I would, I'll go on record <laughs> right now. If the Oakland Raiders take Drew Locke, I will, I will go crazy like I did when Miles Garrett was getting ripped by John Gruden when he was the number one pick in the draft.
1: Oh my gosh. This is great. I'm excited. I wish I could be there. Hey, Todd, let's just look at every other possible scenario. Is there any other Call it like Bortles to the Jags at number three, where they just kept it so close to the vest. Is there any other top ten to top fifteen? I'll throw Washington into the mix potentially. Are there any other scenarios where you say, I don't know? Call me crazy. I don't. I don't think it's crazy if they decided to draft a quarterback. Um, we talked about Denver at ten.
2: I think the Bengals at eleven. They've been awfully quiet.
1: Dangerously but- quiet. <laughs>
2: But you, I mean, how many years are you going to continue with Andy Dalton and, and just and get average play? And I know they could be better around him. And he's proven that if you, if you're really good around him, then they can at least get to the playoffs. But I don't know. I, I think that that's a possibility. If you're looking for long shots, Washington's interesting. I keep hearing that if Arizona is to, to move Josh Rosen and to go with Kyler Murray as their first pick, that, that the Redskins are among one of two or three teams that have shown interest that it, people could see it getting done. And that, you know, it would make sense. So Washington may find its quarterback just tra- trading that, essentially using that 15th pick, give it to Arizona. And now we've got a quarterback who was drafted 10 overall a year ago and You know, you had to, you had to give picks to go move up. So they're, they're getting a good value out of that, even though you look at the rookie season and some people, I, I don't think it's the case. I think Josh Rosen was exactly what you expected him to be. If you're not going to protect him, he's a guy who's going to struggle to, to extend plays because he doesn't have great mobility and stay healthy because he's got, he's a lean frame guy. But if you give him any time, he was the most natural pocket passer of the group last year. And so that's going to be the whole thing. So you got to figure out how to do that. And if you can do it properly, you can have a a really good quarterback on your hands. So I think that deal with Washington, that could be the first domino that falls if it is the Redskins. All of a sudden now we've got Rosen going to Washington, and then we know that the Cardinals absolutely then at that point will be taking Kyler Murray to put him in Cliff Kingsbury's
0: offensive system, which would be a great fit. Yeah, and the Redskins, I think the piggyback on Todd, I think the Redskins have to decide as well. Do they want to move up from 15 to 3 to get Haskins, or do they feel like give up the 15th pick for Rosen? What's the better move there? So they have, this Rosen thing is big because they have to assess Rosen against the quarterback that they may be getting, and they may be thinking, hey, we can get Haskins away from our team in the division our competitor in the Giants, and we don't know if the Giants even want Haskins anyway, but the Redskins could be thinking that. Dan Snyder likes splash moves. He's done it before, and I would think that's not out of the realm of possibility that they would go up to get Haskins. And then all of a sudden, then you have the Giants in play with Jones, and then you have Locke, maybe Cincinnati at 11. And that is a team, and I don't remember, I think it was Mort, A couple months ago was mentioning the Bengals to me. He said, oh, they'll sleep on the, on the Bengals with a quarterback. And, you know, so Locke maybe with the Bengals there. If Miami is in fact not going to take a quarterback, it wouldn't matter at that point because, you know, Locke would be gone, Haskins Murray gone, Daniel Jones were thinking more at 17. So it wouldn't even matter. Kind going of to be a moot point for Miami. They'd have to take a position player, not a quarterback anyway, So, you know, if they're just going to sit at 13. So it may, in fact, work where they don't have to make any any excuses or give any rational explanation as to why they didn't take the quarterback for Miami at 13 if it did fall that way.
1: All right, guys, we're going to wrap up this segment, but I have one more fun trade scenario because I'm, I'm trying to think of different ways where Kuyper could get fired up on the draft set. And I got one more, Mel. Everybody keeps saying... Okay, Daniel Jones to the Giants is 17. What if some team gets up to 15, gets up to 16, gets up to Atlanta at 14? So there's definitely a possibility. Could you imagine a possibility that the New York Giants are stuck there at 17 and none of those quarterbacks are there?
0: I would be surprised, uh, not shocked, but because nothing shocks me with quarterbacks when it comes to draft day. It's like you put all these Christmas presents out there and everybody goes jumping at them and they, they have to get one. They haven't realized that there's more presents to come. They haven't, we haven't put them all under the tree yet. You know, we're holding back a little bit. It's Christmas Eve, Christmas morning. We'll wait till Christmas maybe around one o'clock to do a few more. So I, it's almost like they're going to all be gone. Let's go get them. Well, I think for the Giants, I think they'll find a way. Remember them, the Ravens, and Todd, we go back to that draft, Matt Ryan, Joe Flacco. They had an interest in yep. Ryan. Ryan went. The Ravens got out of that pick. They moved way down. And then when Flacco was available in the mid, they moved back up and got him. And so I think the Giants, if, if the Giants do target or are targeting Daniel Jones, They all these teams get a little scared come draft day. They may go up from seventeen, say to Miami at thirteen, okay? Maybe that's something that they could do. Or or maybe to get ahead of Cincinnati go to ten. Whatever it may be. Maybe to get ahead of Washington, go from 17 to, to 14 or 13 to get ahead of the Redskins. Maybe if they're thinking the Redskins could take Daniel Jones. okay. So I think, yeah, there's a scenario in place. Where I do think if the Giants are targeting Daniel Jones, they will find a way to get him. Now, what you're saying is if they don't and they lose him to somebody else, then maybe their backup plan for the Giants, because they have that second round, maybe their backup plan is Will Greer, maybe it's Ryan Finley. Maybe it's Jarrett Stiff, whoever it may be. Maybe they have a backup in it. This guy's not much different than Daniel Jones, so if we lose Jones, we can get this guy in round two. Maybe that is what they're thinking. I don't know.
1: Gardner Minshew, obviously, has to be thrown (laughs) into that mix. Um, This is good. I like this first segment. We got uh, Mel declaring, uh, I guess officially for the record, a threat against his good buddy John Gruden, so Mm -hmm. that's good. We like that. Guys, we are going to take a quick break here uh, before we jump into the NFC East, but don't forget, if you want to hear more Mel Kuiper, you can check out this week's episode of the Ryan Rossillo show. You can find that in the podcast feed. So, Mel, I guess he only, only goes on shows with ripped hosts, me and Rossillo. Guys, we're going to take a quick break and then we are going to jump into the very public NFC East.
0: The Dallas Cowboys.
1: Todd, the Dallas Cowboys don't do have to do much at all night one, obviously, because they got Amari Cooper. And that draft slot, partially because Amari Cooper played so well when he was there, um, that turned into the number 27 pick. Not like, you know, the ten or 12th or 14th pick like Oakland might have been thinking when they made that move. So, you know, score one for Dallas. Uh, but then obviously they pick again at 58. And they're there again at 91. Just looking... At the roster, where they are a team that was is probably a lot better on paper now than people thought of them at this time last year. Defensive improvement. Jalon Smith finally breaking through. Leighton Venderich breaking through. A big part of that. What are you looking at in terms of where they're adding assets in this draft?
2: Well, their first pick is fifty-eight overall, as you mentioned, second round. So, and you you did bring in Cooper, and you you brought in Jason Witten for whatever you think he's going to be, even if it's just consistency and leadership at that position, you've, you've upgraded the tight end spot. Now I think tight end is still an area that they could look to improve. It would be a perfect time to bring in a young guy, maybe in the, the second, third round range, someone who could, who could work uh, behind Witten and, and learn from him. You know, like I a Dawson Knox coming out of Old Miss, a Jay Sternberger from Texas A&M. Who's got a lot of upside. Um, uh, Oliver kid from San Jose State, you know, in the third round. Guys like that that I think would because there's developmental upside, some ability there, could really learn how to play the position, how to be a pro and and pick up little things from Witten who at this point in his career, obviously coming back off the Monday Night Football gig, is going to be willing to to help. And eventually uh, what I'm told is he wants to get into coaching. So, I think this is it's a good situation for Dallas to to bring in a, a tight end in the first few rounds. Now after that, it's really mostly defensive side, safety, corner, defensive line, continue to to build up that group. you know the offensive line could have played better at times last year, but there's no excuse. This offensive line should be one of the best groups in the in, in the National Football League. You've got Tyron Smith, one of the best offensive tackles in in the league. You got Lyle Collins, who was going to be a first round pick before the incident, right before the draft, and they they wind up getting him. I think as a college free agent in 2015. Zach Martin at right guard, a first round pick. Travis Frederick at center, first round pick. Connor Williams, who was the weak link last year, uh, a tackle in college, moved inside to left guard, but he was a second round pick. So essentially you're talking all five offensive linemen, former first or second round talents coming out. This group should be outstanding. And I think we started to see kind of the balance when you got Amari Cooper in there. And what they can be offensively when you got Zeke going and you got Dak now with a, a trusty tight end and a wide receiver that, that can make plays. So I think at 58 overall, again, is it tight end to, to get the young guy to continue to sustain that position moving forward? Or do you get right into the, def, the defensive backfield or defensive line? But I think those will be the areas that you see on day two that Dallas starts to focus on.
0: Yeah, and Randall Cobb. I think when you look at Randall Cobb added in, and now Cole Beasley yep. moves on. But Randall Cobb's addition, if he can stay healthy, and he had injuries last year. But I think Randall Cobb with Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper. Then you think tight end Kahale Waring from San Diego State is a guy I like. We mentioned him a couple weeks ago, Todd. I think he's a very underrated player. Uh, they drafted Gavin Escobar out of San Diego State in the second round not that long ago. So maybe for them it's not Waring. We'll see. But I think he's going to be an interesting guy. It's not talked about enough when you get past the top three tight ends. I think he could fall in as the fourth or fifth best tight end in this draft very easily. So, I mean, tight end, definitely, no question about it. Uh, but I think they have, with the addition of Cobb, they added I low good safety, which was another area we thought they could go in the second round. Uh, they've had some little pieces that, I uh, think, and the Cobb thing is huge, because I think mean, Cobb, a bigger, uh, uh, you know, better player than Beasley, if he's healthy, with Gallup maybe emerging as a second year player and Cooper, then you have something going at wide receiver. When it was a very questionable position, now all of a sudden it could become a team strength. And maybe they even add a receiver in this draft as well fairly early. The Philadelphia Eagles.
1: Mel, I'll let you get started on the Philadelphia Mm -hmm. Eagles, where, you know, there's a lot of things in place here. And it does seem like, you know, this team can go as far as Carson Wentz can stay healthy, frankly, which is why there's been a lot of talk about the offensive line, tackle in particular. Uh Jason Peters has obviously been there forever but the situation changes if he's not on the field um and you know there's also there's also interesting things down further down the board you could look at the linebacker Situation. You could look at the safety situation, but what what stands out to you as you're looking at the Eagles and what they need to get done in the draft?
0: Well, I think a running back, uh, and, and they say so well, they don't take running backs in the first round, and you know how I feel about that. But Josh Jacobs, I had Oakland taking him one pick ahead of the Eagles at 25, and then maybe Damian Harris. The uh, Eagles have the two twos, maybe another Alabama running back that everybody thought back last August was going to be the guy, not Josh Jacobs, but rather Damian Harris, and maybe they get him in round two to help out that running game. Uh, they could add an offensive lineman if they want an interior guy. There's going to be guys there, even tackles in the second round. But I think first round, Jonathan Abram, a safety out of, of Mississippi State, if he's there, good football player. Uh, you know, just a kid who I thought ran better than people thought he would. He showed he was a complete uh, player at Mississippi State, very underrated player at times, not getting hyped enough. Uh, Todd was on him back, I believe, in his first mock back in the, right after the draft, had Jonathan Abram, and that mm, was a great credit. move to put him in that first round because I think he is a, a legitimate first-round caliber player
1: Todd what are you looking at here in this and I'll throw out one possible little minor wrinkle which is obviously you know everything we've heard from them they actually really like Nate Sudfeld I don't know if they like Nate Sudfeld as a starter I also think this is another one of those teams that could maybe just in terms of how they assess player value could actually grab a quarterback later in this draft it's just Carson and Nate Sudfeld now um, they might be a, a, case to be made for a, a legit number three here
2: yeah i mean i could see it like a t- tyree jackson coming out of buffalo a developmental prospect who who has mobility you can do some of the stuff you did with foals if, if it turned out where you had to play him wentz obviously has some of that mobility as well which adds to that offensive system that they've been running so it wouldn't shock me down the line. Um, he's certainly a, a guy that is rising up the board as the pre-draft process goes, but not just because he's six, seven, which can be a negative anyway, but with that speed that he has, he ran on the f- fastest 40 times of the quarterbacks at, at six, seven on around 250 pounds. But then when teams are meeting with him, they're realizing now this, this dude's smart. Like he gets it. It's like a three, nine grade point average. I think it was Buffalo. He, Took a really lousy team at, um, in high school and turned it around. Got to Buffalo, became the starter and, and turned things around. Uh, got him the bowl game this past year. So he's, he's been a winner. He's smart. He's big. He's athletic. He's got a big arm. He's just inconsistent when it comes to his accuracy throwing the ball. Um, but for, for Philadelphia in general, I think. You look at it, and what stands out is they're really good in balance in just about everything. You know, they're 18th in scoring offense. They'd like to be a little bit better. They're 12th in scoring defense. But the two things that jump out, 28th in the league in rushing, and then 30th in the league in pass defense. So I think you got to focus on whether it's pass rush, continuing. I know they've got, they've got dudes, and they've got some depth with – you know, Derek Barnett, he's going to have to play a little bit better. Now, he's, you know, going into what his third year will be, coming off the first round pick in 2017, they love his character. They loved him coming out. He's got to be more consistently dominant and become a bigger factor. Malik Jackson, a defensive tackle they got, uh, um, next to Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Chris Long, Vinnie Curry. I mean, they've got a bunch of dudes. So you, you have to think that it's more in the back end. And so I think continuing to address corner, Safety. Mel mentioned Abram to, to good, really. Good safety class to the point where, and Mel, you, you, and I have had this discussion before. It's unusual that
0: it's a better safety class than a corner class. Yeah. Juan With, Thornhill is a guy at Virginia. I, I just keep bringing him. He, he can he's play a both. Good, good player. Can play corner, can play safety, ran low four fours, had a really good year at Virginia. He had played corner before he moved to safety. He's a, he's a guy. I wouldn't be shocked if he went in the late first. I think Thornhill, I talked about the running back, like a Damian Harris. They got to get a running back. If they don't want one in the first, get a Damian Harris in the second round. Out of Alabama, I think there's some running backs in the second round, late two. Miles Sanders, Penn State, would be another one to think about. So I think they can get the running back. I'm going to wait a little bit on Devin Singletary from Florida Atlantic, who got hurt by the four six six, but is a really good running back. Uh, David Montgomery from Iowa State's a good, solid running back, never fumbles. Very dependable. Uh, you could get him maybe third, fourth round as well. So I think when you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, the way it sets up right now, uh, having two fours, maybe a, maybe one of those running backs that always drop a little bit further than they should, maybe with one of those fours, they can get a nice running back
2: and and a corner and safety. There's depth. So if you don't get him in the first, if you don't get Byron Murphy from Washington, DeAndre Baker Georgia, Greedy Williams LSU, even maybe Rock Yassin from from Tem- Temple. In the first round at corner, there's there's still a guy like Justin Lane from Michigan State is underrated. Lonnie Johnson is a, a big long press corner from Kentucky. David Long, I think, is underrated coming out of Michigan. Really good in in man to man coverage. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned Thornhill. One Thornhill could be a corner or safety, depends on how you want to use them. Trayvon Mullen from Clemson. And then at safety, you've got Taylor Rapp. Washington Chauncey Gardner is probably going to be early second round coming out of Florida. John Abram, you mentioned, will be a first, should be a first rounder, but then in the second, I think Darnell Savage from Maryland is a heck of a player. Hey. Deontay Thompson has potential, and he's you know coming out of Alabama. We we're talking about him early in the season being a first round pick. So there's a bunch of dudes. Not even adding this Adderley or uh, Amani Hooker or Will Harris from Delaware, Iowa and Boston College respectively. There's just a bunch of guys that I think are quality football players that can contribute right away that you can get and if it's not with that first pick in the second like throughout the the
0: entire second day and I'll tell you, another corner that we haven't talked enough about is Julian Love, Notre Dame. I mean, that kid, when he <laughs> was hurt in that game against Clemson, that affected the end of that first half. They were right in that football game. Love came out with an injury, and all of a sudden, there's Lawrence, lightened it up. And Julian Love was a key entity all year, and he had a heck of a year for Notre Dame. He's a guy that kind of gets overlooked. And doesn't get talked about enough because we're always talking about the other corners. Julian Love, Notre Dame, and the right defensive structure. I think it's a second round pick. Maybe end up being as good or better than some of the guys go ahead of him. The Washington Redskins.
1: The old saying is if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. But the Redskins are trying to get me to rethink this because they got five. I count Colt McCoy, Case Keenum, Alex Smith, obviously in recovery mode, Josh Johnson, and Mark Sanchez. How do you like that depth chart, Mel?
0: Well, it's a lot of guys. <laughs> so <laughs> right. again, I don't
1: think we don't think Washington's in play for a quarterback in the first round. I do. What? Okay, maybe they are. But what are they in play for beyond that?
0: Well, I think they're in play for an edge rusher uh, to go opposite Ryan Kerrigan. Preston Smith has moved on to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, yeah, he was a hit or miss, really. Um, I think I like Brian Burns. who's a bendy edge, fast, athletic guy could be in play if they don't go for the quarterback, and I think they will. I mean, they're, they're a splash team with Daniel Snyder. Haskins, whether it's Haskins, Locke, Daniel Jones, I think they're going to make a move to get a quarterback. It would be surprising to me if they didn't. Um, but if they don't, then the edge guy. I think that's in play with Brian Burns right there. At that particular point in the draft it would be a guy, you know, wide receiver if D.K. Medcalf was there. Um, You know, would be somebody to think about. I have him going a little bit earlier to Green Bay. So I think wide receiver, edge, if it's not going to be a quarterback.
1: What say you, McShay?
0: Yeah, I think wide receiver, edge or two. I think guard,
2: safety, tight end, or three others that they need. I mean, this offense was 29th in scoring offense a year ago. So they, they obviously, they've got to protect better. They need more weapons. And they've got to get stability moving forward at the quarterback position. You know, they, they thought that they had kind of locked that down with the, the deal in the offseason. And, and you would think by bringing in a veteran quarterback who's had success that you'd be at least solid. But the injury is uh, to Smith is put them in a really tough spot. You know, he's 35 in May. Expected to miss, they, they think, most likely the entire season. So that leg fracture is that the end of his career. What is he going to be when he comes back? How long is he going to be out? They have a major, major question at the quarterback spot. And you can't, with Case Keenum and, and Colt McCoy, do you do you feel like you are set for this year? Or are you just going to try to muddle along again and 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 try to just upgrade in some other spots? I, I think you've got to get another quarterback in there. I think that's number one. So if 15 isn't being used on Josh Rosen in the trade, then you gotta go up and get in the mix and and get one of these three quarterbacks that we've talked about. And if Daniel Jones, who Kuyper loves and I think is vastly overrated, if he's as good as Kuyper thinks he is, then then take him at fifteen. You know, please if, if stop. that's what your, your please opinion is. Stop.
1: You know uh you know what
0: they need please. I, by the way, if you listen to Ryan Rossillo's podcast, Todd McShay, Todd, Todd Todd Todd's mentioned a few times because of that comment
1: i'm sure hey I'm sure. uh you're Mel, well well
0: represented on that as podcast. long as
2: long as you say it to my face not was, not just was, behind my was, back it was
0: basically a podcast <laughs> with me and ryan that included todd he didn't even know he was included so it was a it was a, it was a three-man booth there <laughs> for the podcast. only two men speaking yes all at work. i didn't have to show up and you were still doing the daggone podcast
1: no <laughs> you know there's an opportunity here for uh them to draft another uh, Bama defensive lineman and just go with like a 3-4 that's pretty much like 60% Bama. Cause I got <laughs> Allen, I got Deron Payne, I got Ryan Anderson out there. Yep. I mean, they could get it done.
0: Yeah, they're Alabama. Uh, they're going to ride that Alabama wave, uh, the Crimson Tide. By the way, and, those guys
1: are all playing pretty well.
0: They are, and that's uh, not a bad uh, formula to have. Take uh, all the Saban guys and bring them in. But I think when you look at the Redskins, and I'm, the Josh Rosen thing is the intriguing part of this draft. We thought Kyler Murray made this draft fascinating, right? Most fascinating player in probably uh, maybe forever because he's something never historically has ever happened, the 5'10 quarterback in the first round, let alone number 1. But with Kyler Murray... Brought in another fascinating part of this draft that wouldn't have even been talked about. If, if right now Kyler Murray's with the Oakland A's, we're not talking about, obviously, Arizona and Murray. And we're not talking about Josh Rosen being maybe dealt to Washington, to New England, to Miami, to Cincinnati, to wherever, Denver, Giants. you Pick a team. Okay, Chargers, Air Parent, the Rivers, whatever it may be. Now Rosen becomes the fascinating piece of this whole draft equation as to where the Arizona Cardinals deal him. What do they get back in return? Do they have to settle for a a second-round pick? or Do they get that late one from New England? Do they get a mid-one from Washington? What happens with Rosen has become a key part because of Murray being number one in this draft. The New York Giants.
1: This is uh this is the team where the old is it the old Vince Lombardi quote where he's staying on the sidelines saying what the hell's going on? What out the here? hell's
2: going on out
1: here? That's about right. God, look at our producer—he's on it. Ooh, Paul, Josh, what the, sharp today? What the hell's good going data. on out here? I mean, we lose Odell, but now we have Golden Tate, who's kind of like a running back playing wide receiver, a slot. I I, I don't know. Every time De- Gettleman has made a lot of good picks in his career, but every time he starts talking about Eli Manning. I start to get a headache. Um, I don't know. It it this is the this is kind of the definitive roster where you just don't know what camp they're in. I don't know if they're likelier to trade up at, from number 6 or trade down. And if that is like a really fascinating question. I mean, why don't you just put on your GM hat and say where you would go, not saying that's where Dave will go. I I think
2: I think if you like any of these quarterbacks, you got to be willing to pull the trigger at six, and you got to even be willing to try to move up a couple spots. Now, what I wouldn't want to do, and this is kind of very obvious, and the struggle that all these GMs have, if I if I really loved one of them over the other, I just think all three of them are different. I think you can win with Kyler if, if you have the right system. I think if you can protect Haskins, you can win with them. I think Drew Locke is probably going to have a little bit more up and down early in his career as he continues to kind of tote the line and figure out whether, you know, on certain plays, whether he can take chances and not. But he's got the intelligence. He's got the, he's going to own that locker room wherever he goes. He's got so much confidence in what he's doing. And he's got big time physical tools in terms of size, arm, mobility. He can create and extend plays, which you absolutely need to have early in your your career if you're not going to process At like an Andrew Luck type level coming in So uh, To me, I I could picture Any of those three being the pick at six And I could live with sitting at six And taking any of those three, really If that's how it came down But I wouldn't let it get past six And I mean, you would have to have Cornyn Williams or, or Nick Bosa Still on the board for me to even think about Passing on one of those three quarterbacks at six Because now's the year you got a 39 year old quarterback who hasn't played well the last several years. I don't care what the numbers say, 21 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, uh, you know, I don't care anything about the protection or all that other stuff. You now have gotten rid of your playmaker wide receiver, so we've got to figure out the future at the quarterback spot beyond Eli Manning. Again, 39 years old and in a contract year coming up. So, I th- I think you got to figure that out. Continue to try to boost the offensive line, which showed some flashes towards the end of the year. They brought in Kevin Zeitler um, to try to help in the interior from Cleveland. So that would be my strategy and then best available, basically, on the probably the defensive side or offensive line when you get to, to um, that second pick, which is 17 overall.
1: What do you think, Mel? And by the way, shout out to Todd's objectivity. Obviously, he didn't mention the Richmond quarterback on the roster as the savior, Mel, what do Great you think?
0: Great backup. I think it's interesting. I love listening to McShay talk about this stuff because I didn't I didn't hear one Daniel Jones reference during the Giants little uh, diatribe there. Um, I knew you get on, there. Uh, no, no, Daniel Jones. I don't want to have
2: my name associated with any soundbite with Daniel Jones. I, I, so I know you be- don't.
0: I was very strategic I on your part. And I, I read right through that. I saw it coming <laughs> that there was no mention of Daniel Jones ever with what the Giants should do okay, and may do. Uh. So you conveniently left him out of the uh, little analysis there. But I think it's interesting what Gettleman did. Or has done, you know. It Zeitler brings brings Zeitler in, and you know he lost Brown. So Zeitler for Brown is it an upgrade. Yeah, you know, Bethea. And Peppers, let Collins go. So you bring two say let the safety go. You bring Golden Tate in for, for Beckham. You know Beckham's much better, but they really brought Tate in. You brought Golden in to give you a pass rusher. You let Vernon, you trade Vernon to Cleveland. So they kind of tried to make up for what they've done via the trades or just losses through free agency, bringing somebody in to fill that void. So Gettleman's got some method to the madness here. There's no question about that. The plan last year went awry. Now it's a new plan. We'll see how this works. You kind of got a mulligan on that one. We'll see how this one goes. You will get two Mulligans. You get one, okay? Unless you're golfing with McShay. But I think when you look at, at where we are right now with the Giants, yeah, I'm looking. Yeah, I'm looking at at the, the Daniel Jones deal. Is is that real? And if it is, McShay's going to be screaming that that's a horrible move. That you should you never should take Daniel Jones, he's the most overrated player in this draft. What have you? I'll be sitting there saying pump the brakes so it'll be interesting to see what the Giants do McShay will be hey hey Chris you try to get me screaming the Giants do that Todd Todd Todd's going to be screaming
1: it would be cool if Todd loosened his tie on the air, just threw it down, and just, you know, like uh, like the angry college basketball coach early in the game that's like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm going to sweat through my suit, Bruce Pearl style. Yeah.
0: He's yeah. always trying me to get not to wear a tie. We didn't on day three last year it was so hot in Dallas. Todd likes to go real casual. Herbie does too. I mean, it was I was no basically in my underwear by the time we are having. Oh, that was the brutal. You fry an egg brutal. on that table last year. Whew. I'm sure it will be nice and cool.
1: Guys, that is the sound of the mailbag. It is here. It is stuffed. We've hit some of these. I'm going to jump around a little bit. Um, here's a fun one. Brandon Knight asks, <laughs> Hey Mel, what are the chances that Dexter Lawrence falls uh-huh. to the pats at all the way down there at number 32?
0: And happening. No, I don't think it's happening. Uh, yeah, I have him going to Tennessee and I thought that was a little low at 19. 342-pounder can move like he can. Go back to the Pitt ACC championship game if you want to see how he was playing late in the year before he got suspended. Uh, you know, Dexter Lawrence, if he's healthy, was a force. Uh, yeah, I think at 19 for the Titans it would be a nice pick. It would be a hole-filling, neat area for them. I cannot see him getting to the end of the first round. Mel, is, uh, he, what do you think?
1: is he the best mover for either of you since uh, he recently retired Borderline Hall of Famer Haloti Nada? Is he one of the best movers at that size since a guy like that?
0: Yeah, I would agree. I think, yeah, we've always tried. Vita Vea wasn't, but mm-hmm. everybody talks about Vita Vea being Halodinata. but I think, you know, I think in Dexter Lawrence's case, to run five flat at 342 pounds and, you know, just have rare, rare athleticism for a kid that size. Uh, yeah, I would say that's a, that's a fair comp, Todd.
2: Yeah, I think 10 years ago that, that we'd be talking about Dexter Lawrence potentially as a, Top five, top 10 pick. But since the league has changed and there's, you know, the concern with that, two concerns. One is, can he stay healthy? He struggled the past two years. And two, can, can he provide, what does he provide as a pass rusher? Now, I, I think because you have to double him in a lot of situations and because his ability to, to drive offensive linemen back into this, the spot of the quarterback, that even if he's not going to finish and have big sack numbers, When he's healthy, he's productive. There's, you know, productive doesn't have to be isolated to sack numbers. You move move a quarterback off the spot and get him to throw the ball away or lead to a sack from, from Cleveland Farrell or Christian Wilkins or, you know, Bryant coming off the other end. That's production too, because you're the reason that that quarterback ran into a sack. So I, I think he can be very productive. I think he's a top 25 pick in this draft. I don't, You know, because of those two things I mentioned, I can see if he got past fifteen in that sixteen to twenty-five range, but I'd be i I'd be really surprised if he's not a first round pick, and I would even start to get surprised if we got to picks twenty six to thirty-two and and he was still on the board.
1: Mel, is there a quality George Moran asks, is there a quality mid round guard or center that the Jets should be targeting if they decide to stand pat? You know, and take a pass rusher, or a DB, or something like that at number three. I don't can't imagine DB goes that early, but
0: yeah, I think from a mid-round standpoint, you know, guard, center, something like the fourth round area. Uh, yeah, I think I think there's some tackles who can play guard and have and, and will be projected to guard. I think Chuma Adoga from USC is a guy maybe second round, third round, but I think he's one. Max Sharping, Northern Illinois tackle, can play guard. I think you look at at Nate Davis at Charlotte. Uh, the two Oklahoma kids, Drew Samia and Ben Powers. Uh, if you're looking at centers, yeah, you know, where does Michael Jordan, Ohio State, end up in this draft? So I think there's going to be some some pretty good depth uh, when you talk about some of these guys, Todd, dropping into that third, fourth round area, that mid-round area from that center guard position.
1: All right, Todd. It sounds like this guy needs therapy, so maybe two minutes of Todd time will help. Abby Soap asks, <laughs> can you please help a Cardinals fan rationalize taking Kyler at number one?
2: Yeah, you, you get the fifteenth pick, and and then you go out and, and fill another need, and that's that's basically it. And here's the bottom line: if that's the route they go, then you know that the organization first of all is is committed to your head coach, and that the head coach clearly has made it obvious that they think that he's a better fit, Kyler Murray, for the the new offensive system, the air, the version of the air raid that Cliff's going to run in the NFL. So, I to me, if that's how it goes, then I'm looking at it and saying, you know what, my organization for the first time in a few years now is kind of all on the same page. I would view it as a positive. Now, it doesn't mean they can try to make it happen, and if they just don't get a trade for Josh Rosen, then they have to walk away from the table, I think, because you're not going to bring in Kyler Murray and then not be able to unload Rosen. That doesn't make sense. But what makes sense is you get the 15th pick, for Rosen, you take the guy that you think fits your scheme, and then at 15, which is very similar to what you spent last year, five picks off the 10th pick, and you had to move up to go get him. So the value is the same, if not better, to me. So you get Kyler Murray, the perfect fit, your, your head coach is happy, and then at 15, you have offensive line needs, wide receiver needs, cornerback needs, you can fill a... a big void with that 15th pick and now you've you've got both essentially Mm -hmm. you're not getting your quarterback Rosen with Nick Bosa I get it but if Rosen doesn't fit if they don't think he can stay healthy and they're worried that he's going to walk away from football in a few years because he's he's getting beat up and just not happy anymore and he's got he's going to go be a venture capitalist somewhere then you know it will make sense long term to make this move
0: Box office. I, I think that's the underrated part of this, box office. And I think when you look at Arizona, excitement level with your fan base and your team, with Kyler Murray coming in in the same division with a guy who he should be calling. As soon as he's the pick, Todd, I'm calling Russell Wilson. Thank you. You go about residuals you get with movies. It, Russell Wilson keyed this whole thing. And I think certainly Kingsbury did, being the head coach, so if he wasn't, he wouldn't be the number one pick. But I think Russell Wilson in that division with Goff and Garoppolo, now you got excitement because he fits with I, and, I, and I know Kingsbury say, well, I've won with other guys that were Rosen. This is the NFL. It's not college. So when you're going to do you're going to do from a schematic standpoint, blocking scheme standpoint, you better have a quarterback who can move. And for Rosen, I think what tells me, and I'll try to bring some common sense into this a little bit, if Rosen you're trying to trade is only bringing a second-round pick, doesn't it tell you something right there that, you know, you're not, you may not get a first. That's what you're hearing. If it is, it's 15, 32. It's not top 10. So again, if, you know, and that doesn't mean it's right, but Rosen was polarizing last year and he still is. So if you're an Arizona Cardinal fan and you're saying, hey, they only want to give us a two for my quarterback, I got to take Murray. And, and again, you said the thing. Is, is Kingsbury going to make the call? If you hire Cliff Kingsbury, who got fired by Texas Tech and only had an offensive coordinator job at USC, that isn't a, a, you know, you know, and he's, not, he's being, becoming a head coach in a national footballer. You better give him the final authority and make the final call on what quarterback he feels is the best quarterback for the next, say, 10, 12 years. And if he feels it's Kyler Murray, which you have to believe he will, he's got to have the, the authority and the power to make that call.
2: Yeah, he's not a defensive guy. He has not proven to be a good CEO. I'm not saying he was a bad one, but he's not proven to be a great one. What you hired him to do, Cliff Kingsbury, is bring his offensive mind to the organization. And if his offensive mind is telling you throughout this process, Kyler Murray's my guy, we can win with Kyler Murray, we have a much better chance with Murray than we do with Josh Rosen, then you got to do everything in your power, if you're kind the general manager, to move Rosen out and to get Kyler Murray to become the first overall pick in this year's draft.
1: All right, guys, last question. I think we hit venture capitalism, and Todd ta- and Mel was talking about residuals, so this is like the Dave Ramsey show, too. Guys, um, DJ at Union Sports, I like this question. Serious draft nerd here. Assuming the Devons, White and Bush, are gone by pick 20, where do the Steelers turn in the draft for linebacker help, and does cornerback then look like the most likely option there at 20? Todd, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I think corner would probably then become – the, the area that would make the most sense. Let's put it that way. You know, whether it's Byron Murphy from, from Washington, Greedy Williams from LSU, who's a buffet tackler, but, but the best combination of length, speed and athleticism in this class. Uh, DeAndre Baker, great instincts, gets a little lazy with his footwork at times. He's a playmaker around the ball and he, he will support the run coming out of Georgia. So there, there's some corners right in that range in the first round. I think. Then you start looking down the line a little bit at, at linebacker. And the thing that's a little concerning is you don't have – there's a drop-off. There's a big drop-off after Devin White and Devin Bush. Um, Mac Wilson, uninspiring. tape. I think more of a third-rounder type. Trey Lamar, can he run? I mean, in your system and what you've had with guys like Shazier, can he run the way you need him to run? Um, then you get into, like, Drew, Drew Tranquil and uh, Terrell Hanks – Tranquil from Notre Dame, Hanks from, was it New Mexico State? Um, you know, those, those guys are more third, late third, maybe early fourth round range. Cam Smith, Justin Holland, all those other guys. So I think there's a big drop off, unfortunately, but that's what you're going to find at a lot of positions. If, yeah, couple, if you don't get your guy in the top 20.
0: Yeah. A couple things, Todd, on inside linebacker. I think you look at a guy like Mac Wilson probably as a second round pick, but I think Bobby Okariki from Stanford. Is a guy maybe three, maybe two, three. David Long, Jr., West Virginia. Sioni Takataki from BYU is another guy. Can play inside, outside. He's a guy. Joseph from Florida, I think, is an underrated player that you can get. I'm with you on Trey Lamar. Trey Lamar in, in the 1980s and 90s probably would have been a, a pretty high pick. But in today's NFL, the the, the range and the speed is going to be something that people uh, you know uh, put into question. But I think when you look at Okariki Long, Takataki, Joseph. I think there's some other guys outside of Mac Wilson. It could be intriguing if they, if one of those guys gets into that third round mix.
1: Guys, we hit a lot today. Trade possibilities all over the top of the board. Mel with a, uh, with, a, is it a bounty on, on Gruden? We'll call it that. Um, and then obviously you hit the, hit the mighty NFC East and a lot of your mail. We will do it again. As the month turns to April and we get to count down to Todd's first mock and his summer beard. So we're 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 going well here, guys.
0: Thanks for listening to First Draft. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash podcenter.